Hey, podcast people. Tony Stark here. The show is called Re-MCU. These guys had the brilliant idea to do something no one else has. Rewatch the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talk about it. Top-notch idea, fellas. Congrats. Anyway, let's see what brilliant thoughts come from this. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the second episode of Re-MCU. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. You may know Cody and I from the Cinesnob podcast, which we've been doing for, God, almost five years now, Cody. Yeah, I remember uh, putting up uh, t-shirt sales in order to fund equipment for it. <laughs> and we're not even using that equipment right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this uh, this podcast is an idea... I believe you kind of uh, uh, spearheaded this to me, but it was a something we've been tossing around for a while to do a sort of secondary podcast to the Cinesnob podcast where we sort of dive deeper into a subject matter. Yeah, uh, I, I had had the the idea of just kind of rewatching the MCU anyway, and so I thought, well, we might as well cover this in a podcast if I'm going to commit to it, and I believe we're the first podcast to ever watch all the Marvel movies. I think this is an original idea for me, so... Um, definitely no one has ever done this before. <laughs> yeah, ignore all those other ones that uh, that claim to have done it. We're doing it first. Yes. Um. But no, I, I think it's 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 a really natural point to, to review, and especially with, you know, Endgame being the biggest movie of all time, probably. Um, I think it, it it's it's interesting to me to watch the arc of, of how this whole thing came together and uh, and to revisit some stuff that, that that quite frankly I haven't seen since it came out and especially in the in the case of today's movie. Yeah, today's movie is The Incredible Hulk, which is the second film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh and again, like you, I had not seen it since it was released in 2008. And uh probably for good reason, honestly, because I don't remember particularly liking it that much. Uh and you know, spoiler alert, it's not terribly interesting enough to this 11 years later, but uh, we'll get into that later in the in the, the podcast. But it is uh, um, an interesting sort of footnote film in this Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's the only one at this point that has kind of been largely abandoned. Yeah, I think we'll get into it in more detail, but... I struggle with with this movie being canon. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, for for a number of different reasons, but um, I, I, it's 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 the one movie that truly does not fit, with the exception of one or two things um, that that I really honestly have trouble reconciling. Like, is is this actually canonical stuff? You know, right? Here's something a bit more interesting. It's possible gamma sickness. Milwaukee. A man drank one of those Garana sodas. Guess it had a little more kick than he was looking for. Wow. Where was it bottled? Now, it's important to note that this is the second Hulk film uh, in, in about five years' time. And I, I believe this is at the time, one of the quickest sort of reboots that we had seen uh, coming off a failed attempt. Cause of course there was in 2003, there was the Ang Lee directed Hulk starring Eric Bana and um, 
uh, Jennifer Connelly and Sam Elliott as uh, General Thunderbolt Ross, which seems bizarre to think about now that Sam Elliott was in a superhero movie. Yeah, it, well, and it's also, um, you know, this this was when I, I believe the Ang Lee Hulk Marvel didn't have rights to the character at that point, um, and it sort of killed that because I know that Marvel reacquired the rights for Hulk um, for the character um, for the, for the Incredible Hulk, um, and I think that that on the heels of uh, the Ang Lee one, which I also haven't seen since it came out. Um, I, re- I did not like it and I have chosen not to see it again. What I remember is that it's very moody. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's emo Hulk basically. Yeah. Nick Nolte plays his dad and, uh, is it Nick Nolte? Yeah. Nick Nolte and he, there's like Hulk dogs and there's a bunch of weird shit in that movie. Yeah. And, and I think that the reason why these, these movies were really important and this movie was really important is I would argue that that uh hulk is probably the most well-known and well-established character in any of these movies like in 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 throughout history of you know comic books or you know it had you know tv iterations and all that stuff and so i think it was maybe the most um the most well-known amongst general audiences of of a character well of course there was the 1970s series uh being also by the the name of the incredible hulk which Side note: I used to be terrified of of <laughs> Lou Ferrigno's The Hulk when I was a child. I do I do believe we you and I mentioned that to him directly when we interviewed Lou Ferrigno. Do you remember that when we we talked to him on the Cinestop podcast uh, when he was in San Antonio for Wizard World? And yeah, you know, uh, I don't I don't remember that specifically. I remember that I remember that being a very weird experience, especially. Uh, one line of questioning that uh... he got mad because he told me that uh, you know, he told us that he was uh, like a sheriff's deputy reserve or something. And I said, do people uh, ever <laughs> I asked him if he if he, anybody ever thought it was a joke when he showed up as a as as law enforcement? Mm-hmm. And he didn't take kindly to that. He also didn't take kindly to uh, talking about his death hoax. Oh, I don't remember talking to him about that. Yeah, I I do believe that we did. Oh, yeah, it was it was an awkward interview. <laughs> Which, uh, by, by the way, can I tell a quick funny story? Sure. Um, you know, you know my pal Jerry Rocha, stand-up comedian. Right. Uh, we were working on something together <laughs> once, and um, and I was I was there was a meeting happening with a bunch of people in a room, and I was on video, and I, I remember one time, uh, in the middle of the meeting, the meeting's going. And Jerry looks at his phone and he goes, everybody, everybody, we just lost the Hulk. <laughs> and he started, to, he, had read, he had read a hoax, a, a, a Lou Frigno hoax death story. And he stopped a meeting in its tracks uh, to report on a, a death that did not happen. <laughs> it's, it's just so funny to me. You know, uh, and, and going back to Ferrigno, uh he is in the film in a cameo. A terrible cameo, a terrible by the way. Cam- but he also uh, voices the Hulk in the in That's the film, right. uh, which I had forgotten about. And, and it is interesting how much, um, uh, you know, like you said, this is probably at at the time the most well known Marvel character, you know, that wasn't Spider Man or the X Men that had the the longest history with the you know the public at large uh, coming from the TV show, and this really pays tribute to that with. Uh, you know, obviously Lou Ferrigno popping up. And then uh, there's a clip, a very brief clip where uh, Edward Norton's Bruce Banner is watching 
TV in his Brazilian favela that he lives in. And uh, he comes across the, it's the courtship of Eddie's father is the old TV show. And it stars Bill Bixby, who of course played David Banner. Cause they, I guess they didn't like the name Bruce back then in the incredible Hulk TV series. So this does pay tribute to the, the stuff that came before it, um, you know, really more so than anything prior and since I think, cause well, I guess nothing has really been as established as Hulk was at the time, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's, there's definite, uh, nods to the TV series that came before it, uh, you know, and there's a scene where, where Edward Norton's character is hitchhiking calls to mind the, the end of every incredible mm-hmm. Hulk episode. So yeah, there, there's a lot of history there that does get acknowledged. Um, <laughs> I just don't know that the movie really does anything with it that's not uh, that's interesting enough. Yeah, I, I think that the movie really suffers from um, you know whatever whatever judge that you know Robert Downey Jr. brought to Tony Stark as a fully fleshed out character. We get none of from Edward Norton, um, and I don't think it's a particularly bad performance. But it's a nothing performance. It's it it doesn't it doesn't do anything to establish the character of either Hulk or Banner. Um, I don't even know that that it really establishes Banner that well as a you know as a scientist. I, I, <laughs> I it just I, it's 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 a it's a confounding movie in in so many ways because I just it just it just it's just there. It's it's truly is just there. Well, it, it, one of the most interesting things I think about this movie is the way it sort of just gets into it. Like yeah. the, the opening credits kind of tell, which uh, you know, reading about the film after the fact, that that stuff that they show in the opening credits that was kind of a montage of his origin of the Hulk's origin was actually shot for the film and meant to be flashbacks within the film. Uh, but yeah, that's right. I forgot the opening credits is is seriously um, like a prologue almost because it it's really weird. Yeah, and it, it you know it it's it almost feels a little bit, and I know it's not, but it almost feels a little bit like it's supposed to be a sequel to the Ang Lee Hulk movie, like as though you you if you'd seen that one, you'd be fine and you could move on with this one. I, I, I know it's not a direct sequel and I know it's not meant to be, but it almost has that feel like, you know, you, you're not going to like the mistake Sony made with Spider-Man uh, for the amazing Spider-Man was thinking everybody wanted to needed to see the origin story again. Yeah. And I think one of the things this film does right is knowing that we don't need to see that shit again. I, uh, I, I, I agree to a point, but I do think that it, it sort of, um, blunts the relationship between him and Betty um, because you don't really get to see that established initially except for in almost fast forward when it cuts through the montage because that relationship I think is supposed to be the emotional core of the movie but it does no legwork in establishing it yeah I I see that I see what you're saying with that but it you know uh, like I said at this point I think we had we kind of got it and we needed to yeah to move on uh, you know because this movie's nearly two hours as it is. I don't know how it would feel with another half hour of setup or whatever horse shit. That's true, but there's so much you could probably cut from the middle to give some context. I mean, the, the movie's over long for sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, but uh, um, it's one of those things that that it feels like it... It And I, I believe it came about totally by accident, but it felt kind of refreshing at the time that, that we didn't need to go through this shit again. 
And I, I think finally, finally, movies, comic book movies have learned the lesson that are reboots, but this one was kind of a, a, an early front runner in that. We didn't need to see it again. Is that it? Blonsky, pull back now. Is that all you got? Fall back! Fall back! Let's go! Let's go! Find cover! So, how do you feel about Norton as Bruce Banner? I know we you touched on this earlier, but he's he's a notoriously sort of of asshole actor behind the scenes. Uh, how did you feel about him as the character? Yeah, I mean, just to touch on that a little bit. I mean, he's notoriously. I mean, he notoriously took over American History X, uh, and this movie was no different, which may have contributed to him not being asked to come back um but he did rewrite the script um of this movie um and um i don't know what his marks were on it but um but yeah i i i I think like i said earlier i think that it's a very uh, uninteresting performance um i don't think that there's the same character flares there bruce banner is sort of a blank slate i don't think that there's any hallmarks of his character that are remarkable you know i think the way that mark ruffalo uh comes at it is is you can you can really see mark ruffalo trying to hold back a little bit um in order to prevent the hulk from coming out and i think that the relationship between banner and hulk uh is way more fleshed out um with with mark ruffalo um uh and i and i also think that mark ruffalo's kind of pretty subtly funny in that role where i don't think that edward norton treats the character with much humor if any um yeah it's, it's it's very technical too like it's, it's very uh, like about you know how his heartbeat is rising and what he needs to do to to get rid of yes the hulk. which by the way is it canon now that the hulk hasn't had sex in a long time <laughs> since uh, since we since he's wearing the heart rate monitor in his sex scene and has to climb off and uh, well I, I, that's the one thing i i feel like this movie uh doesn't really uh one of the things where you say it doesn't really fit in that i I don't it was never really like a technical thing with the hulk no no well it wasn't it wasn't controlled in that way like like it wasn't your heart rate hits a certain point and then he turns into the Hulk. yeah it's not the time machine in back to the future you know 88 miles an hour yeah you know it hits 200 200 beats per minute uh and he you know turns into the hulk i mean i genuinely Every other appearance has been that, you know, it needs to be, he needs to be angry. You know, that's the whole point of, of Avengers is that, you know, how he controls it. He's always angry. You know, that's the line. Right. Well, and I think technical is a good word to use for it because I do think it's a very technical robotic performance at times. I just wish there's, there's no dynamics to the character. And, and I think that Norton is not bad, but there's nothing particularly interesting going on. Yeah, there's no humor to it, like you said, that's just, you know, it's very uh, uh, fleshed out. There, there is some interesting stuff with the, you know, him sort of learning 
like yoga or whatever it is to to calm himself and uh, meditate and all this stuff to to keep from being angry. But then that sort of uh, contradicts itself with it, you know, just being sort of a heart rate triggered thing. Um, and another thing I, I think that got abandoned in this film was the uh, the Hulk blood. Yeah, being sort of uh, I know that's been like comic book canon for a while that the Hulk blood can infect you as the Hulk, but this is this one really plays it up. With the with, guava soda or whatever. What, yeah, whatever it is, and you, Stan Lee drinks it and gets gamma sickness. Uh, that's Stan Lee's cameo in this. Uh, yeah, it, it it feels like there's a... If I had to guess, like the, the real technical stuff is probably what Norton contributed to it, because he, he seems to be very focused on that process in the... You know, in the film, like his character spends a lot of time doing that shit. Yeah. And it, it feels like it's, you know, uh, something that's that's secondary to the, the main plot. You know, it it doesn't the, the whole thing feels too technical overall. But that particular element kind of feels like it doesn't really mesh with the Hulk that we come to know later in this series. All right, so um, uh, next up, uh, I guess I guess we'll talk about uh, um, uh, Liv Tyler, even though she's sort of only half in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she plays the part of of Betty Ross, who is uh, the lo- the love of Bruce Banner's life. Who, spoiler alert, we have never ever seen again. Yes, <laughs> despite the fact that her father's a prominent. Uh, character in some of these it's again well i don't know what is canon and what isn't though technically i think it all is but it just doesn't make sense but yeah look i i don't i don't want to be mean here but um this is a really terrible performance um (laughs) it's i just I, i i i'm not a fan of Liv tyler's acting in anything and this is some of the the worst of it um She's just a, she's just blank. She's, she's, she's emotionless. It's like she's sleepwalking through the movie. Um, there's, there's almost no vocal inflection on, on anything. Everything is sort of flat. Um, and, uh, I think the character could have been one of the better parts of the movie, especially the, the her relationship with Bruce. And I think it's actually brought down by her performance. I, I don't, I don't have really anything negative or positive to say about it i mean it's fine i i don't i don't think it's fleshed out enough i think she sort of you know sorry she uh sort of shows up with half of her story told already and she's got to remind everybody of it you know like oh i don't like my dad so she has to keep commenting on how much she doesn't agree with what her father is doing mm-hmm. um <laughs> and then she she just sort of coldly ditches the guy she's been dating <laughs> Poor Ty Burrell. By, by the way, played by Ty Burrell, who, of course, at the time was not well known because this was before Modern Family was released. You ever have that moment where you, you know, like you've watched a movie and you know you've seen it, um, but then you, uh, someone in a part that you kind of saw as wallpaper and didn't really pay attention mm-hmm. to, you go back and watch it and they, they've since become famous and it all sort of weirdly snaps into place for you. Yeah. Like yep. I, I had that with uh, like school ties with all the with Ben Affleck and um, uh, Matt Damon and stuff, but yeah, this was one of those. I was like, "Wow, Ty Burrell, like really playing against his type." Yeah, 
Yeah, known as the comedy guy, right? And, yeah. and here he's playing a, a nothing character. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Wall- just, literally, like uh, you described it the best, as, as just wallpaper. Yeah. He's, he, he's a glorified extra, basically. Yeah, he's playing Leonard Sampson is his character's name, who is a, a comic book character named Doc Sampson later, who's like a, a, a psychiatrist who helps superheroes. But yeah, this movie, he has nothing to do. Uh, okay. Also, uh, 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 Tim Roth as Blonsky, the, uh, emo Blonsky, (laughs) a Russian raised in, in Britain. Who's like a, a, uh, Royal Marine commando, uh, who is, uh, tasked with hunting down Bruce Banner by general Ross. I, I don't, I don't really know what, his character is supposed to be in this film um, because he starts off, you know, as an honorable soldier and then ends up as the, the, a monster called abomination. Yeah. Uh, his arc is very confused though. I will say, I think he gives the best performance in the movie. No, I, I think he's, he's totally sold on it. I mean, until he becomes a CGI monster. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, we'll get into the plot of this later. But there's something that's done to him that I forgot the movie did, which seems like it would have altered the course of the whole series mm-hmm. going forward. And, and it, again, like you said, I, I don't really understand what's canon and what isn't, um, because this movie seems to make a lot of changes that would have been relevant in other films. But aren't. right, yeah, um, and and I think that the problem. Uh, is it, sort of with his character is also enveloped in um in in the character of Ross uh, that's William Hurt which is which is that uh Ross becomes kind of the bad guy and um and and then uh Blonsky becomes kind of his his puppet um or or the means to which to carry out um this this plot line and and obviously Ross ends up being on this uh you know a foil in some ways to the Avenger but also not a bad guy um in the Avengers movies and it's just weird to have that turn um and then it's and then Ross's turn within the movie uh, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit talking about William Hurt but you know Ross's turn in the movie really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Ross seems to be flip-flopping between what his motivations are. Is it his daughter? Is it containing the Hulk? Is it giving the Hulk then some leash to work with? And so, and I feel like caught in the middle of that is this Blonsky character who is sort of um, following directives and then his motivation just goes out of whack completely. Yeah. It's uh yeah. William Hurt is uh, uh he's, He's fine in the role, but it, it this role is very very confusing, especially later when he you know when he shows up later as sort of a uh, uh, leader of he's like the the suits behind the Avengers essentially you know he's uh, one of the government officials with Shield I guess yeah I, I don't I don't really understand how he got to be that way after this film you know mm-hmm. the the way the character behaves in this film but it's uh it's very very problematic canon wise what happens in this film with the character actually one more thing uh what movie is tim blake nelson in in this (laughs) oh (laughs) i I totally forgot to talk about tim blake nelson uh yeah he is uh shows up at the very sort of in act three tim blake nelson plays the uh uh samuel stearns the doctor who's trying to cure uh the scientist who's trying to cure bruce banner from being the hulk which Again, going to the technical thing, 
it comes across as like being the Hulk is a blood disease. Like yeah, uh, was, yeah, it, or, or his his blood can can do certain thing can provide cures to things as well. Well, it's like he, he was he alludes to them being able to cure all sorts of diseases and stuff. Yeah, but it, he's trying to cure him by like the, a way of basically just incredible dialysis. Like he's going to dilate his, you know, uh, not dilate, but you know, like do dialysis with his blood and clean his blood. Which yeah. I, I I didn't know the Hulk was a bloodborne disease. I thought it was a <laughs> mutation, but Anyway, what do yeah, I Yeah, wasn't it gamma poisoning? I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff in this movie that doesn't quite fit. And then uh, one of the probably saddest things uh, at the end of the film, the character gets injured and he starts like transforming, like his head starts pulsing. Yes. Which is a setup for him to become a character called the leader. Which obviously never happened. <laughs> yes, but but I but and and I and again that's one of those funny types of hints that like from like Terrence Howard and Iron Man that that never gets picked up on. But I mean, I just really want to just stress how goofy of a performance this is, where it feels like it's from another movie. Like it's it's borderline slapstick. It's such a it, like it's just such a weird it, like the energy that his he brings to the character is just so off. It's 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 perplexing, but it's also jarring at the same time because I'm like, what what is going on? Like, where who is this character? Why is he so nutty and weird? Yeah, I wasn't that taken aback by it. I just thought it was funny that he has this setup and doesn't get to go anywhere with it. Yeah, because I, I look. This is getting ahead of ourselves, but in the Avengers, the the next time we see Hulk, literally all of this stuff is dismissed with like two lines. Mm-hmm. By I think I believe it's uh, Scarlet. I mean, uh, not Scarlet. Black Widow talking to Banner, who just t- says that everything that was threatening him before is gone. Okay, on the table. These will protect you from yourself. You have a strong reaction. You can tell me later if you thought it was strong. Oh, come on. Graduate students. You, you, you. This will be a somewhat novel sensation. We have begun. Now, as I mentioned, this this sort of foregoes an origin story, uh, and and in its place is a montage in the opening credits. Something that I really appreciated because, you know, like I said, we we had already seen this recently. But uh, how do you think this works as an overall movie? The the uh, fact that it's it's introducing a new Hulk, but you know, it doesn't really get into the origin. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that. It, it is primarily focused on getting to the transformation scenes because I don't think I, I think it it knows that people don't want to go to a Hulk movie for 90 minutes of Bruce Banner. Um, <laughs> and so it, it sort of waits. Um, it waits a, a little long to kind of get some of the good scenes, though. You know, I will say some of the scenes are. It, it it goes back and forth between being kind of cool and then being terrible because the scene that happens it's the big battle scene between Hulk and uh and Ross's army um there's some there's some neat stuff to that scene that I think works but then you have really lame stuff like 
like the big explosion and then a random rainstorm comes in the middle of it on a beautiful day and like like washes out the fire like I, it's just so like the it's just so weird um how that sort of scene plays out and i think that um the, the moments that uh that it builds towards of the set pieces and the hulk stuff um, I wish that those were a little bit better because I don't think it hit quite does the same like Hulk smash stuff that made Avengers Hulk so good because it was comical, right? It, like the like the Hulk in in the Avengers uh, when we first see him is vicious, you know he he smashes with abandon and 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 in in this one Hulk is just kind of like punching things, uh, and uh, and I wish that it was a better Hulk out moment because that's what the movie is sort of building towards. Well, it does get pretty vicious uh, when he, he he sort of murders a whole team of commandos that come to get him the first time we see him. And the second time we see him, he uh, he kicks Blonsky into a tree, basically turning his bones into powder. Uh, but yeah, there there is sort of a um, a little more tragic element to him being the Hulk. Like that the whole movie is is really sort of a downer. You know, it's all about uh how Banner wants to get rid of the Hulk. Like that's his whole purpose in this film is to cure himself of this. And it it's really kind of hard to get on board with because we want to see the Hulk. We want to see this this hero. You know, you want to see them him you want to see the Hulk smash shit. And that the whole movie spends, you know, the movie spends its whole time trying to get rid of the Hulk until the very 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 end is not fun you know there's no real fun to it and uh i think that you know i said to you earlier when we're talking before this show it's not a bad movie it's just kind of boring it is boring um and and i and i think that that has to do a lot with just a, a gross misunderstanding of how interesting um the cure to the hulk element is because by the time we get to Avengers Hulk, he has accepted that it is part of him and um and he basically just tries to stave off the Hulk, you know? Um whereas in this one, it's not to stave off the Hulk, it is to cure him of his Hulkness, you know? Um that is the main focus of it. And I think that's a much less interesting thing because it becomes boring, boring science science. And I think that um like the the whole reason that Liv Tyler's character exists uh, in the movie is to further the plot of trying to rid him of the Hulk. And I think that, uh, it's just a, it's just a less interesting arc, um, of trying to cure it than it is like, I'm going to live with it and then try to control it, you know? Yeah. Like, cause you know, we're, we're coming off of Iron Man where this, you know, this billionaire playboy guy has his life changed and he works to make that change, uh, uh, it affects the world in a positive way. And this one, we just see the guy want to puss out and not be the Hulk anymore. And it, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, it doesn't feel very heroic, you know, that he's sort of pressed into action at the end, you know, because this abomination character has started, but until then he's, he's resigned to go, <laughs> he's resigned to go to jail or whatever. I don't know what the, the, the point of that was, but he was no longer tranquilized when he uh, is on the helicopter you know, when they're taking him yeah. away and he's locked up like he could have hulked out right then and and gotten away. But he didn't want to. He was just done. 
and it's mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a very interesting process to to watch your hero want to get want to get stop being the hero. Yeah, and I, and I think that once it's sort of you know it hits it hits a certain point um, after the scenes um, with Tim Blake Nelson um, of the experiment that they try and everything everything from that point forward it's almost as if the plot becomes completely meaningless and it's just a, a you know there to clear room for you know a battle a big CGI battle sequence in an incredibly incredibly unconvincing Harlem by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's the Apollo Theater marquee, but the street is about like a two lane road. It's so terribly lo- it's it's so cheap looking. And I, by the way, I didn't. I really disliked the way the Hulk looked in this movie. He had weird like ripples on his muscle, like his chest. Yeah, I just don't think they nailed it. And and this was also back before I think they they were really trying to make CGI characters look like the actors that played them. Yeah, um, because this this does not resemble. Um, Edward Norton at all, and then you cut to Endgame where, like, the Hulk straight up looks like a big green Mark Ruffalo. Like, it's, he even has chest hair, like super yeah. thick chest hair. Yeah, it there's there's just a lot of stuff that's off about this film, and and I think it, you know, it's it's another super militarized story. Like, the military is half of this movie at least. Yeah, and um, you know, I, it just doesn't square right with the rest of the you know, the MCU going forward. Well, and I think that it, 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 I think what makes the MCU so interesting these days is that, is that there's elements of humor in almost all of them. I mean, almost all of them have a lot of jokes peppered in, or there's something, um, you know, clever about the writing um, that makes it kind of funny. And this movie is sort of like completely devoid of that. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty humorless. Not to say that it needs to be super funny, but like, there's not even really attempts at Joe. I mean, there's a couple, but um, but it just it's the tone just seems really off, and I, and I almost wonder if it's it's trying to, and I don't know if maybe this is Edward Norton trying to ground it or or what, but it's it's very over serious, um, in a way that um that is off putting. Um, to the point where Iron Man's very serious, but it also understands what it is and understands what a character that Tony Stark is. And I think this movie sort of misunderstands um, the need to be as serious as it is, because I think the lack of humor um, and the seriousness can, you know, sort of equates to being kind of boring here. Yeah. And I, I think, again, like we mentioned earlier, the big focus on the technical aspect of it, the technical aspect of what makes the Hulk Hulk is is not interesting. You know, there was the the uh, the time in 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 Batman Begins, I guess, was the first sort of stab at making this stuff realistic in quotes. You know, like it it's not realistic really but within the universe of itself it's realistic right and i think that's what this movie tried too hard to do like there was some sort of you know like the the hulk thing could be quantified as um you know you have this many cells in your blood that does this and your if your heart rate goes heart rate goes over 200 it'll trigger the hulk like and that's not it's not interesting i want to see him try to not be angry you know, I don't want to see him try to keep his heart rate down. I want to see him try to not be angry. I want to see him right. deal with that. And it's not, this movie doesn't understand that. And again, I wonder if that's Norton, Norton's influence coming through. 
Yeah, and it might be, but I, but you're right. I think it, the the movie is it, it it does not treat its Hulk as someone who is on a constant, uh, like fight to not get angry. It's more when he gets stimulated in some way like if like if there's not i mean yes in that way but also <laughs> but also yeah why would he hulk out when he's having sex that's right. what i don't understand like it doesn't make any sense it's yeah it's heart rate he's not i mean maybe it's angry i mean maybe maybe that's what gets him off but you know <laughs> yeah but uh but i mean yeah that's exactly right it's like a heart rate thing it's 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 a um it's a, it, it's very weird and it, and and i think you know to your point Maybe they were trying to redefine the Hulk as someone who, you know, like there's a there's a clear set of rules or um, or maybe they found it more interesting that it's not necessarily anger, but just a guy who couldn't contain anything. And I, I, I don't really know the purpose of it, but um, it, it feels very um, uh, it, it, it's almost as if it's too involved with making making things like connect cleanly. Um, yeah, it's it's too worried about dotting its own I's and crossing its own T's, I think, to, right. know, to as to why this happens. Bruce. Oh, my God. Bruce? Bruce, can you hear me? So I, we mentioned uh, earlier. This is sort of the 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 one film that's seemingly mostly abandoned by the MCU, other than yeah. very 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 few elements. How do you think it holds up now? Well, I I think that it I don't it, it's not a terrible movie, but it's not a good movie, and I think it has reason to be treated as like the ugly stepchild of the MCU. And it's it's a little unfortunate that they wasted a Hulk movie on on this, whereas the Hulk became such a hit character after Avengers. But I I think that just in the context of the MCU, it it it's 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 a good thing that it happened so early on, or it would threaten to throw everything off. Yeah, because it's just it's 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 not only out there, but it 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 legitimately screws with the canon of the character and the story, and um and even uh, Ross's presence. And there again, he's a presence throughout. Betty's never mentioned again, but yet they interact with Betty's father on a semi-regular basis. Um, and, yeah, and she's and never Hulk, mentioned again. Yeah, and the Hulk uh, character, the Banner character, is kind of a loner in in the film until he becomes part of the Avengers. Yeah. And then, yeah, you never you never hear of of uh, of Betty again. Uh, and also, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up with the Blonsky thing, and, and I forgot about this, legitimately totally forgot it happened, but they may, they basically made Blonsky a, a Captain America. Like, he's a, he takes the super soldier serum, mm-hmm. and and I hadn't realized it until I watched the scene that, that has a, a, a counterpart in Infinity War, where you see 
these these troops are are running toward Hulk, and you see Blonsky just pass them running super yeah. fast, like at the uh, you know the battle in Wakanda in Infinity War, and it it's such a <laughs> it's such Sorry. a you all right. <laughs> Yes, I'm fine. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to happen because it, like, wait a minute, the super soldier stuff is still lying around, and they haven't used it anymore. And and Ross goes, you know, to a cryo chamber and and makes his own super soldier again, and uh, it doesn't really, it really changes the way that the rest of this series could have played out if that yeah. was still a factor. Yeah. Um. And again, Ross, like we mentioned, Ross is uh, is kind of ends this thing as a somewhat redeemed guy, but for the most part, he's just sort of a prick. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair, and I think uh, I, I don't, I don't, I guess he's somewhat redeemed, though it's almost redeemed against his own will, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the it's not fulfilling in any way, I don't think. But yeah, I, um. Yeah, I just think I just think both in and out of context, the movie just doesn't really doesn't really work. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I guess uh, uh, probably the the biggest thing to come from this is that that you know n- none of it really matters anymore at all, right? In, in the the greater scheme of the the MCU, not not only that that Norton was replaced uh, by Mark Ruffalo, but that. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the, the film is dismissed with a single line in Avengers and none of it is ever brought up again. And, and this is the thing that, that I'm most interested to see throughout this podcast is how much material becomes completely either non-essential or undone or irrelevant mm-hmm. in the grand yeah. scheme of things. And I think this is our first example early on of a movie that has no reason to exist and and especially in the larger scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, I often wonder, and I know that there's a, a rights issue cause this one was just uh, like, um, Iron Man was distributed by Paramount. This one was distributed by universal, but I think universal still holds a stake in independent, uh, Hulk movies. Yes. And I believe I, that I, that's why we haven't seen one yet. I think, but I I've heard that cited as a reason why we haven't seen one since then with with ruffalo but i wonder if if they just don't want a chance making another fucking dud uh, that's, yeah, that's... i don't i don't know because because it's it's been interesting to see hulk pop like hulk pop into thor ragnarok works really well and i think they just they they like to see hulk pop in and out of movies i don't know i don't know why but i think that maybe um and we'll talk about it down the line that they've reached a point with hulk where maybe that would work a little bit better based on the evolution of the character um, but we'll see, I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah. I mean, but literally nothing in this film comes up again that I can remember. <laughs> other than Ross appearing in other movies. Um, I don't, I don't believe that it does either. Yeah. There's no Betty Ross anymore. There's no, uh, uh, Samuel Stern's leader character. Uh, the one thing I did notice is Martin Starr has a cameo. Yes. I saw that too. Uh, uh, you know, I was just about to say, uh, something on that on, on that note, which was that it's funny to go back and see like in the, in the cameos these days, they're pretty blatant and obvious. Like you get 
you know, in Endgame, you see Ken Jong and stuff like that. And it's funny to watch how few cameos there are in these movies, because I, I'm pretty sure that at that point in time, that Martin Starr was just him getting some work. Like, I no, don't I, I totally <laughs> I totally believe that. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, that's Martin Starr. It's like this guy needs a role. Yeah. And, and it's there's so there's so little of that like the Lou Ferrigno piece is is like the 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 first like like big wink I think of the series other than like the Stan Lee cameos which are you know are there every time but it's weird how cameos are treated in the early years compared to how they are uh you know later on there's also uh Michael K Williams shows up yeah I saw that too in in a non-speaking cameo where he looks at an explosion and then Lee <laughs> runs away <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it, again. I don't know if that was a uh, Wikipedia says that role was written written for him by Norton, but there's nothing that role doesn't do anything. He just is there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the uh, you know Martin Starr, of course, appears later as a teacher in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. That's right. Uh, he doesn't appear as uh, as he's credited in the movie Computer Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he, I, I wonder if it's if he in his head is thinks it's the same guy. That would like be it, funny. Yeah. Like, what if it was? What if that was the one thing that stuck around was was Martin Starr's character? Uh, and then, yeah, Ty Burrell is one of those that would have been a much bigger deal even, like, two years later. You know, would have been like, mm-hmm. oh, there's Ty Burrell from the hit TV show Modern Family. But in this right. film, he has nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is it is really, really just no one no one mentions it no one cares about it anymore i mean i don't i i don't know that that anything other than you know ross and uh the the stinger which we'll get to in a in a minute um really has anything that 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 needs to happen like there's look there's movies that don't need to exist and i think something like guardians of the galaxy 2 is one of them like it's just sort of a fun hangout this one doesn't need to exist but it's also not even acknowledge that it exists. Well, yeah, because in the in the context of the movie, it's trying to make itself important, and it ends up not being important. Um, and 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 oddly enough, uh, not not exactly. I I think what they were looking for after Ang Lee's Hulk was maybe, you know, not the best version of it. This isn't really either. Um, and so as a reboot, I don't know that it's a hundred percent successful. Even as that, I mean. I'm pretty sure that the movies were probably similarly regarded, but uh, uh, in terms of like you know Rotten Tomato scores, I don't know that for a fact, but yeah, yeah. I, I just I again, it feels like another attempt to to do this character, and it 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 sputtered. And, you know, this one maybe they made a mistake hiring Norton, who wanted too much control, and rewrote this thing into something that it wasn't meant to be. Um, you know, the director is uh, Lewis Letterer, who's just sort of a, I think his big movie before that was Crank or Tran- oh, it was Transporter Films. And then right. did Clash of the Titans and Now You See Me. He's just sort of a journeyman action movie director. You know, so there's no real style to it. You know, where at least Favreau had a, uh, you know, a sort of passion and idea to to turn this thing into something that was a little more humorous. This one is just like, it's a, it's a it's an action movie, really. Honestly, it's a dramatic action movie that happens to have a fucking comic book character in it, right? And uh, you know, I, I I I'm it's nothing. I never I never ever need to watch it again. I think is probably the the uh, the biggest takeaway from it. And you don't and and you don't need to watch it again, right? right. 
Yeah, I I don't I don't think that it's yeah, I think it's if you want to be a completist and watch every movie in the MCU. <laughs> if you want to do a it. podcast like this, yeah, you can <laughs> Yeah, you can go for it, but honestly, you can read the Wikipedia plot page and you're fine. Okay, what's your grade? You know, I I I don't I I don't think it deserves to be super harsh. I I would go with like a C plus probably. I think that's fair. Um, that's kind of my threshold for it's not a bad movie, but it's I, a, kind I, of unnecessary. Yeah, it's for for me. It's the difference between recommendation and not recommendation. So I would say I wouldn't recommend it, but it's not terrible. Reload. So, General, but that super soldier program was put on ice for a reason. I've always felt that hardware was much more reliable. Stark. General. You always wear such nice suits. Touche. I hear you have an unusual problem. You should talk. You should listen. What if I told you we were putting a team together? So this is where the stinger thing got really solidified in the MCU. But oddly enough, pre-credits, right? Uh, I believe so. I, I, it's, I it's think it's literally. Even, li- I think yeah. it's the last scene before the credits. I believe. Yeah. Um. And I don't think it really makes sense. Um, from a character standpoint, okay, because the stinger is. Ross is getting drunk in a bar and he's approached by Tony Stark who tells him about the Avengers initiative, which I get it. Um, Iron Man was a hit. You know, this was a little after the same year as Iron Man, but they wanted to make that direct connection to Iron Man. But I don't think that having Stark do it really makes sense as a character because, uh, I believe uh, in Iron Man 2 that that um, Stinger is retconned into being after the facts, after the events of Iron Man 2. That's right, because in, in Iron Man 2, uh, and I only know this because I'm currently watching it, um, <laughs> uh, Tony Stark is still not convinced that he should join the or start the Avengers or team up with Nick Fury at all. So there's a scene in there where he's like, I, I don't want to join your team or something like that. So... It, it it is sort of retconned um I believe, the context. I believe Although I, uh, I believe it takes place before Iron Man. Is that what? right? The Hulk? Yeah. No. Uh I believe Iron Man two, Incredible Hulk, and Thor all take place in like the same week. Oh shit. I believe that's how the timeline shakes out. Because uh Iron Man two's stinger, which we will get to next time, but is uh, is directly leads into Thor. Because for some reason I thought that the um, that like the the order that people say to watch it in that Hulk is before Iron Man two even chronologically. Oh, oh, okay. That that may be true. I thought you were talking about the first Iron Man. I mis I misheard you. Oh, I, I, may, have, I, I may have misspoken. I may I do believe it does come chronologically before Iron Man two, but that Stinger is retconned to come after Iron Man two. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so the Stinger is, is Tony Stark showing up. 
Again, which I don't think would necessarily happen for the character, but here we are. And uh, I, I think it's it's fine. It's basically the same thing as the uh, the the Iron Man stinger, but uh, oh, for sure, it a hundred percent is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it was. In fact, I think that a lot of the stingers up until that point are just characters showing up, trying to put the team together, assemble the team. But I, I, I don't know that for sure because it's been a while. But yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know that uh, the Iron Man Two Stinger is a is way more of a teaser than. Uh, but isn't isn't the Captain America st- uh, sting than like Nick Fury based? I don't, whatever. We'll get into it later. Yeah. No. So so I'm looking at the the timeline and appears that uh, Incredible Hulk happens just after Iron Man Two. So yeah, Iron Man Two comes before. Incredible Hulk, hmm. but uh, it's all around the same time. It's like a it's supposed to be like within a couple of days of one another. Oh well, yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna wrap up episode two. Next week, next week. <laughs> all right, let me start that over. Here. So that wraps up episode two of Re MCU. Next time we're gonna talk Iron Man two. Uh, I haven't started crack. I haven't cracked watching that yet, but you have. Uh, uh, most probably widely regarded as the worst of the MCU? Uh, between that and Thor The Dark World, I think that those two battle it out for for worst of the MCU. Uh, like I said earlier, um, I don't remember if it was this episode or another, uh, I have never seen all of Iron Man 2. Um, I cut out early um, when I was watching it uh, at home way back in the day um, when I was maybe a little unsure of how big this whole thing would eventually become. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to revisit it because I feel like, uh, um, already in my watching, it's, it's, it's a weird usage of, of the character and, uh, maybe not as outwardly bad as I thought, at least so far. Um, but definitely a massive step down from, uh, from the first Iron Man. And if I remember correctly, I haven't seen the film since it was released. If I remember correctly, it is almost at least half table setting. Yeah. Which is uh, probably the biggest knock against it. But, but the debut of, uh, of Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, AKA black widow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got that going for it. Uh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's her debut. And, um, and then we, it's, it's when the pieces I think, I think start aligning a little bit more where it's almost as if the Hulk is put, behind them and every movie from here on out um you know has has its purpose i think i guess we'll find out soon enough but um but yeah it's uh it will be interesting to talk about that a little bit more closely because it's a movie that was um really not well received um and 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 on the heels of the incredible hulk um maybe even perhaps a little surprising that the series got uh as big as it did um because um you know potentially two duds in a row so the wheels were already heavily in motion at that point, though. Mm-hmm. So I think it was probably too big to fail. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, if you want to reach us, uh, you can find us at Cinesnob on Twitter or Cinesnob Critic on Facebook. Uh, if you like the podcast, this is our second episode and we're still kind of working out the kinks. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and uh uh you know tell your friends about it we're we're watching the the entire MCU again in chronological order of release not chronological order that they come so 
just know that that we're going to be watching it as they were released. Uh, we've already done. We did last episode. We did Iron Man. This time it was Incredible Hulk. Next is Iron Man two, of course, and uh, culminating. I guess by the time we're done with this, we'll be able to watch uh, Endgame again at home. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll be uh, you know we'll watch all twenty two films. Um, well, I guess twenty three by the time uh, uh, Far From Home comes out, Spider Man. Yeah, and and uh, I would encourage anyone out there to watch along with us and uh, let us know what we get right, what we get wrong, and. And, and let us know your opinions on how everything shakes out. I'm sure there's some people who are Hulk defenders, maybe? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's who really, really loved that movie. I, I don't either, but, but that, yeah, but maybe maybe you're out there, listener. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, all right, so uh, on that note, my name is Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Yeah.